Hello, everybody. My name's Tim Perko, and you're listening to I Believe. Now what? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of I Believe Now What. I am your host, Tim Perko, and today we actually have our very first phone interview. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Hello, my name's Ed Perko. How are you today? Yeah, so I brought in my father for this interview because I really do feel like we can put some good insight in here. And today we are actually going to be talking probably about one of the most talked about subjects that you see on every Christian podcast, which is politics and war and how to deal with that in our our Christianity. Uh, The reason why I kind of wanted to hit this up, even though I feel like this topic does get overdone a lot, is because, you know, I myself am an active duty military soldier. I've been in for 15 years. I plan on going until 20 unless God tells me otherwise. And my father as well, he's had his time in uh, the military when he was drafted. Not only that, he, you know, he's been on this earth for a good 74 years. So he kind of knows what he's talking about when it comes to uh, politics and war. And he's seen a lot in his lifetime. So... Uh, As we get in, let's go ahead and just dive right into it. All right, first off, anytime we're viewing politics and war as Christians, we have to look at it through a godly lens and and know, you know, first and foremost, that we are Christians first. You know, we're not Republicans, we're not Democrats, we're not uh, social justice warrior first. We are Christians first, first and foremost. So that's how we identify ourselves. We shouldn't be identifying ourselves by a political party. Am I right there, Dad? Right, yeah. The scripture does say that uh, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And uh, that means that anything comes before God can be a God in someone's life. Exactly. And even in Matthew uh, chapter 6, verse 33, it says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So we always have to put God first. I know sometimes it's hard when we get into these political issues and debates and talks that, you know, we can get so wrapped up in them sometimes, but we got to remember that we are Christians first uh, and foremost, period. Uh, The second thing, you know, is we must submit ourselves to the role of government. And while this might not be a popular thinking point nowadays, especially when you see so many people out there protesting and doing this and that and going against this and going against that. They all feel like, you know, they got a voice. We have to remember that the Bible teaches us to submit ourselves to role to, to the role of government. And th- that's made evidence in, in Romans. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you that totally. So Romans 13, Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 2 says, Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority have opposed the ordinance of God, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. And I think another bigger thing that you can kind of see here that just because somebody is from an opposing political party or something like that, God has a greater purpose in all this. Nothing ends up going against God's plans and God's will. And how he kind of interworks through all that, even while an elected leader may seem like the most ungodly person ever, you know, we, we got somehow, you know, this is all according to God's plan. Am I right? Yep. Yeah, I believe that you're right there. Yeah, we, we, somehow it all it all works together for God's good will, and we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, so, secondly, or actually, thirdly, you know, 
voting. You know, voting is one of those other big topics that gets brought up in the politics because luckily here in America, we have the ability to vote for our elected leaders. I know some people who might be listening in a different country, you know, sometimes they don't get that right. Uh, but, you know, more and more as, as democracy comes around or a republic comes around, we get those rights to go ahead and vote for our leaders. And honestly, as Christians, we should utilize that. We should utilize that to the best of our abilities. While there is no person, I believe, that, you know, uh, will represent the entire body of Christian values, you know, in the political sphere, uh, we need to really, as, as citizens, evaluate the people that are running for offices and look at their values, see and vote according to those values. Who lines up most with the Christian value? I mean, and, and this past election, I think a lot of Christians were actually kind of concerned about that. Am I right? Absolutely. Yeah, we, we had uh, a choice between somebody who, you know, you had Hillary Clinton on one side, who was, you know, definitely did not line up with Christian and moral values. But then the weird thing was, is you had Donald Trump on the other side, who is now our president, who also, you know, for the most part, through the, his living, of, I know he said otherwise, but through the his actual examples that he had set beforehand, you know, was not obviously Christian-centered or God was not a priority in his life. So it was kind of like Christians were, some Christians were thinking they were between a rock and a hard place. How would you handle yourself in those situations? Well, the point, one one big issue, uh, we get, there's a number of issues that uh, Christians would uh, obviously disagree and that uh, we would have to draw the line on as far as uh, supporting them individually. And one that comes to my mind immediately would be abortion. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that that's one reason why I think it does kind of make it a little bit easier in American politics when it comes to trying to vote along party lines for values. Because you have one entire party that advocates the murder of killing babies. I mean, I don't, I can't, I can't vote that way. So it does kind of make it easy to vote for the other guy. But I, I understand how some Christians felt, and they're like, yeah, but Donald Trump is just a, you know, an unmoral guy. I can't vote for this. But you got to remember, I think John MacArthur said it best. Uh, he kind of used the analogy of a brain surgeon. He said, if I'm, if I'm going in to get brain surgery, you know, the first thought that comes across my mind isn't, is this guy a Christian or not? It's, does he know what he's doing with brain surgery? And you can kind of look at politics in the same way. You know, just, just because this person may not be a Christian, it is still important to vote for the person that lines up most with your values uh, as a Christian and who will protect those values that you cherish so much as a Christian. I agree with that, yes. Okay, and uh, another point I do want to get at, especially as we get closer and closer to these ends, end of times type stuff, because, I mean, you got to admit, the world is getting worse and worse. Never let yourself believe that the government will always be there to protect your values and your beliefs. You know, times will keep on getting worse, as I just said. And if you read Romans 1, you can go in there and see that, you know, you can make a case that God has actually already abandoned America just by the way our society is going. All these immoralistic things that Romans 1 perfectly dissects looks like a perfect example of what America is like now. With people not fearing God, people abandoning God, uh, the rampant uh, lying, immorality, homosexuality, all these different things that are going on that the Bible talks against that Romans 1 perfectly dissects. It seems like it's going on in America today. And I think you would have a great vantage point for that because you got to see America 
you know, in its heyday in the 50s and then all the way up to where we're at now, right? Absolutely, yeah. There was a lot of things that were very sacred and uh, that most of Americans would line up with. Uh, today, it's a totally different story in terms of morality. But so we do support our government, but we're in a counterdicts God, then that, that creates a different situation. Yeah, and that and that that, that kind of goes back to what we were saying, that there's never going to be that perfect candidate. You're not going to get Jesus Christ himself to come back down and run for president of the United States, as awesome as that would be. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Right. And you can almost look at, on it as Christians in all of us. I mean, we're not perfect people. We still live in this body of flesh that is longing to sin while our spirit doesn't want to sin our, our our fleshly body still lusts after those things so we can kind of see how you know there's never going to be that perfect candidate no not on the, not on earth and that's what brings me to my next point which is we must pray for our leaders we have to pray for our leaders god has given this this powerful tool and the ability to pray for our, our, our leaders, to connect with God one-on-one, and we should use that tool. Pray for our leaders, even if it's somebody that you do not like. I mean, Jesus even taught us to pray for our enemies. Uh, people, you know, we had President Obama not too long ago, and now that he's out of office, I think I could say it, uh, as before I couldn't, uh, but, you know, he really did not line up with Christian values at all, very much. He, he seemed almost anti-Christian to a point. And you know, that's the type of leader that we really have to pray for. We really have to be praying for those guys to have good, clear, sound judgment, and all, of course, within God's will. Yes, we have to pray for uh, our leaders, and we should pray for our leaders, especially so we could live a peaceable life. And so we pray that uh, God will work in their hearts to continue to um, support laws that... Uh, uh, would would be good for all people, and so we have to. Uh, sometimes we have to make hard decisions on who we support and who we don't, and uh, we so that we can live a peaceable life on this earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that and that leads perfectly into our next point, which is us as Christians. We if we end up getting a leader that we do not agree with, it is on us to realize that we should not be actively out there uh, violently protesting and causing riots and trying to overthrow our government. You know, as Christians, that's not what we do. And you can reference Romans 13 again, uh, that verse I just said, being in subject, uh, being subject to the governing authorities. Right. We could uh, properly uh, disagree with certain uh, things that they stand for if it's in contradiction to the Bible. And so... Uh, yes, but not uh, not in a violent way, obviously, uh, to protest those. But we have we do have the right to disagree with things when they would be contrary to what God uh, would have us to do. Some people might even agree that the uh, the founding fathers of America, you know, starting the Revolutionary War, that really might not have been a Christian thing to do. You know, starting a war over things and causing riots, while it ended up being good for us and the life that we're living now, you know, you can you can debate if that was actually not a Christian act or a Christian thing to do. 
I believe that's true. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm as patriotic as it gets. Don't do not get me wrong. I mean, for crying out loud, I've been in the military for 15 years. I love this country. Uh, so I don't want anybody to get the impression that we are that way at all. We love our country. Uh, but, you know, the, the Bible says what the Bible says. And the fact of the matter is, is we should not be protesting uh, and causing riots uh, and overthrowing the government. When I say protesting, there's a difference between a violent protest where you're blocking traffic, causing chaos, uh, trying to disturb people's lives, and then uh, a peaceful protest where you are... Um, good example. Not too long ago, we just had a protest happen in the state of Virginia uh, where a bunch of gun owners came together to protest some of the liberal laws that they were trying to push out for control for gun control. And yeah. as far as I know, I didn't really read too much into it. You know, it was a very peaceful protest. They weren't blocking off roads. They weren't trying to cause a disturbance. I mean, not e I think there was like 16,000 assault rifles marching around and not one shot was fired off. I mean, that says a lot when people can actually come together and protest in a peaceful way. Nothing wrong with peaceful protests. <clears throat> no, no, and I don't believe so either. Moving on to our next point, you know, the, the, the only time that I can see in the Bible that we, is really okay to disobey the government, and we kind of talked about this before, was when they try to force you against what the Bible teaches. And we can turn to Acts chapter 5, verses 27 through 29 for that. The Acts chapter... 5 verses 27 through 29 read like this. When they had brought them, they stood them before the council. The high priest questioned them saying, we gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in his name. And just to put this in context, if you don't know where we're at in the Bible, this is after Christ had already died on the cross. He, and the, the people were continuing, uh, you know, still worshiping Jesus. The apostles were still out there doing what they were supposed to do. So the priests, they say... Um, Picking it right back up on 27. When they had brought them, they stood them before the council. The high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in his name, and yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you had put to death by hanging him on a cross. He is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as prince and a savior to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of our sins. And we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. So here you see a, a, a strict line here. The, the apostles were, even though they were told not to do it, they were still following the commandments of God. They were still following what the Holy Spirit was telling them to do. And this is how the exact example that we as Christians in America today should be. You know, all the, we should be submissive to government all the way up into the point until they start telling us we can't believe or practice what we believe. That's absolutely right. There, is a, there was a duel, of course, during the time of uh, Christ and during the time of the apostles, we had a dual government. You had the Romans who were uh, overseeing the entire government, and then you had the uh, Sadducees and Pharisees, and they, the Romans, allowed them to function underneath their government. And so it was kind of a lot different than it is today. We just have, we don't have a religious government as, as well as a, 
as a secular government. We uh, So we just have one. Uh, it was a little different in the times of uh, the apostles and Jesus. No, and that's a good point, yeah. And the Romans, I mean, this kind of breaks away from modern day, but the Romans were very smart in their conquest. I mean, they didn't last and get as big as they did by, you know, knowing absolutely nothing. They were very smart because what they would do is— they would enter these countries and they would let them, you know, practice, for the most part, their belief system, uh, as long as it didn't, didn't cause trouble for the Roman government. Didn't interfere with, the, uh, with their government. You're <coughs> absolutely right. So, yeah, it was a little bit different time. Yeah, it was, very, it was very smart on their end because instead of uprooting a bunch of people saying, worship these gods and do this and do that, which would just make a lot of people angry, they were like, you can worship the way you want. You're just going to pay taxes to us and be under our authority. All right. Uh, which uh, that that leads us to our next point, which is war. Uh, war is one of those things where, where uh, Christians can get kind of iffy on at times. And you either see two sides of the spectrum. You see the Christians that go, you know, all killing is bad. Uh, that's wrong. And then you've got the other ones on the other side that are almost seem like, you know, war hawks in a, in a way. And I mean, we got Facebook nowadays. You can see your, you know, your some of your Christian friends on there might be going, yeah, like, especially just recently we almost broke out into a war with Iran and me as a you know still in the army christian soldier when i see these people who have never served a day in their lives screaming for war against iran you know i'm not going to lie that it got me a little upset uh, cuz i'm like you you really don't know what you're asking for when when you're doing war it's easy when you're sitting behind a computer screen and you're not the one going out there doing this stuff, saying, yeah, yeah let's we, go march to war. <laughs> we call them armchair quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's pretty much what it is. Keyboard warriors, armchair quarterbacks, you know, and I'm not going to lie, it, it, it was kind of a test trial moment for me because it, it really did get me upset seeing these people so hungry for war that, you know, quote-unquote claim Christ, uh, and and they're, they're, they were just starving for this war. I'm like, you really don't know what war is all about, you know. You... Exactly. I, I think they uh, their understanding of uh, how terrible it is falls pretty short. Exactly. It's the last thing you want to do is, is go to war. It, exactly. And as we get into this, I mean, so to hit up both sides of what we were talking about, you know, first off, killing in war is different than murder. The, the the Bible is is very clear on that. You know, and you have the you have the law that was given. You know, thou shalt not kill. You know, that is very clear. You know, you shouldn't murder people. It's wrong. That's against God's will. But you can find many other examples throughout the New Testament where God uses war. You know, to exercise His will. So to say that all killing is murder is is a false statement. I mean, God Himself used war for his will and his purpose to fulfill those. And, and you can look throughout pretty much almost all of the Old Testament in that. I mean, Samuel, Joshua, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, they all give example of how God uses death. And then if, you, if you're one of those people who kind of like, well, the New Testament doesn't talk about, well, no, yes, it does. Read the book of Revelation. It is probably the most violent uh, use of war that God will have. You know, it's going to be a very bloody, violent time. Uh, I think you could also uh, you could also make the argument that uh, ever since the beginning of America that uh, Americans uh, in general uh, the wars that we have 
been in were defensive wars. That's when we were attacked. Uh, we had the war of the Revolutionary War, and it went right up through World War One and World War Two, where we were not actively seeking war, but we, then we had to defend ourselves against those that were instigating war. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Yeah. That, that's actually a great point. I mean, it's never. You never want to seek out war, but there is a time where, you know, biblically too, you know, God uses war to, to execute judgment. Uh, just right. as, you know, in America, our values, you know, we are supposed to stand up for these countries that can't help themselves. And to when we see somebody being pushed around and bullied, you know, our, our job is to go out there and intervene as a world power. Or at least that's how, you know, I view it. Moving into our next point, you know, so Christians, we shouldn't, I think we could summarize that up as Christians, we shouldn't wish for war. And honestly, we need to pray uh, by doing so in God's will that, you know, these wars, if they're meant to happen, they're going to happen. But at the same time, we do need to pray, you know, for as many different solutions as we can before it gets to war. And if it does get to war, I mean, the best thing that you guys can do back here instead of being like my father said, armchair quarterbacks, is praying uh, for those soldiers and those leaders that are on the ground there during the times of war. Because I can tell you firsthand, it is one of the most stressful times. I mean, I can remember being a young kid at 19, walking around the streets of Baghdad, where I had no idea if somebody was a good guy or a bad guy. And they give you this loaded, you know, semi-automatic rifle that you could take somebody's life with. It's a yeah. very, it's a very trying time, and you need to pray for those soldiers over there. I mean, I can imagine how you felt getting drafted, and to the point where you, you probably had in your head that you were going to Vietnam, right? Yeah, fortunately uh, enough, uh, I didn't have to go. But there were, uh, you know, there were people who who did disagree with the war, uh, you know, justly or unjustly. That, that'll always be a controversial situation. But, uh, you know, some people even uh, avoided uh, the draft. I'm not saying that was right or wrong, but they are in their conscience. Um, you just hope you're never in a situation where we uh, enter a war unjustly. Oh, yeah, that that does bring up a good point, because I know there, there are people who are like, well, this isn't what God wants. You know, the God doesn't, we're going over there to do this or to do that, or it's a political war. And th- those things can get in mind. But it, at the end of the day, you know, if you get drafted into that, um, I mean, you just got to pray hard on it, you know, for That's God's That's something God. you really need to pray high for, pray and uh, ask God's insight, you know. On mm-hmm. that on on a particular situation, I guess you never know what that is until the time comes. But um. and, and if you keep your faith strong in Jesus Christ, I do know this. You know, the Bible says all things will work together for our good. You know, when we have our faith in Christ as Christians, and and you just got to hold on to that. If God needs you in that situation for a reason, I mean, He's going to put you there. If he doesn't need you in there, he's going to take you out of it. And it, it, it is one of those hard things because I, I, I do know some soldiers that I, somewhere along the way, they, were, they really felt like the war that they were fighting was not a just war, whatever opinion that, that may be. But at the end of the day, I, I really do think that God knows the situation. He knows that's, you know, especially if you get drafted, I mean, that's hard to get out. And then you go back to what we were saying in Romans, we have to subject ourselves to government. Uh, and, and, and what government's saying. So I don't think anybody that, 
especially in your case during the Vietnam War, you know, people who get drafted, uh, unwillingly drafted, and they go because they want to be good Americans and they want to be good Christians and they want to listen to their government. Even if they don't believe in the war, I really wouldn't think God would hold that against them, or at least that's my opinion on it. Well, that was a that was a difficult uh, situation where people that were 18, 19 years old were put into a situation that they knew absolutely nothing about, uh, didn't even know where Vietnam was on a map, and uh, so you know those are uh, those are situations that we hope you never have to be put into. Uh, they certainly need to be prayed about. Mm-hmm. Yes, that, that, absolutely, and that's why we say pray for our leaders in America to make good decisions. Pray for our soldiers, our sailors, our Marines, our, our, our uh, Air Force. You know, Pray for those leaders that they make the right decisions too and pray for those ones on the ground that are actually doing the, you know, pray for that 19-year-old private that's walking around out there with a loaded gun that could take somebody's life, you know, because, you know, one shot is all it takes for, I mean, we can get into PTSD and all that stuff, but I mean, at the end of the day, I think uh, people who have been outside of war in America, they get this view like it's on the TV and the video games and all this stuff, but it's really not that way. When you're 19 and you take somebody's life, even if they were coming after you and you did it in self-defense, that's that's something really heavy to deal with. Yes, it is. Sure would be. I mean, I can remember a story. Not to get into old war stories, but I, I, one of the stories that kind of stuck with me from my younger days in the military was I was talking to this guy, and he was talking about how he was a private, and he went down range in, uh, in Iraq, and he had, you know, he came to a situation where he had to kill a, a terrorist, you know, that was coming at him. It was all into self-defense. And part of the protocol sometimes, you know, when you, when you take somebody out like that and it clears, you got to search the bodies. And as they were searching the body, he saw a picture of the dude's kids and family uh-huh. <laughs> on that person. You know, it, it, that wow. ate uh-huh. that guy up. Like he said, he still has memories about that every, you know, all, not every day, but all the time it pops in his head. Now, you can't imagine how torturous that can be. Well, I could only imagine. <clears throat> so just think about that for anybody that's, you know, listening out there that, that, has a very pro-war agenda that has never actually experienced themselves. Keep that, keep stuff like that in your mind because that 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 those are the realities of war, and especially as a Christian, you know we're very caring, kind people. That's the way God wants us to be because we have the Holy Spirit in us. And when we get into those situations, I mean, I'm not going to lie, even even myself, you know, I, I never want to take somebody's life, even in self-defense. But you know, you're in those situations and. You do what you have to do. Uh, and, of course, you just pray that God gives you the guidance to make those right decisions. Well, yes. we're getting close to the end of our time, but I do want to wrap this up with one thing. Uh, and it's this verse in Ephesians 1, 1.11. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. In other words... All things are working towards God's will. And that's what we need to remember when we're talking about politics, war, and our Christianity. And you're wondering, why are things getting like this? Why is America getting so bad? Why is the world just going down in a dumpster? 
And we still need to pray on it and hope for the best, but just remember, and you can lean on this, that all things are going to work together according to God's will. Very good. That was a great conversation today. Yeah, well, I appreciate you, uh, you know, getting the impromptu. And by the way, if you didn't know, I literally, I was going to record this all on my own, and I'm like, you know what, I need some, I need some new perspectives. So I called up my father, and he uh, readily agreed. So I appreciate you do coming on, Dad. All right, anybody else, you know, that's listening, I really appreciate y'all listening, and hopefully stay tuned for the next one. Yeah, let's Tim. do this again. Let's do it again for sure. All right, well, this is Tim and his father, Ed. We are signing off.